0: Alert Medic One respond. box Area 19-1. You're listening to the Alert Medic One podcast, the premier emergency medical services podcast with your hosts, Mustafa Sadiq and Ken Sanner.
1: I should probably introduce us now. Yeah. yeah. Hey, well, uh, welcome to the Alert Medic One podcast. Uh, this is Mustafa Steek. I got uh, Ken here and Doctor Vitberg. Hey, everybody, how you doing? We've kind of been on a tangent. Good morning. Uh, Do we
0: want to roll right into it? So what were you we talking about? I'm worried about, about your volume now.
1: You're I, like I'm mumbling. fine. You're, you're yeah, fine. Okay. I can hear myself okay. very well. I, that's why I turned my gain up. Okay.
2: Yeah. Is this part of Are you being triggered right now? I'm are you so okay? Triggered. So triggered. When you get yeah. triggered, do you go into oh, a soft yeah. baby voice? Oh yeah,
1: apparently that might yeah. be what it is. I just it, it sounds weird to talk loud and hear yourself. Yeah. So, but I have to make sure our levels are good. So I don't know. I just like it this way. Uh yeah, so what were we talking about? We were talking, yeah, about, we're talking pulmonary about pulmonary com- edema and arcane yeah.
0: administration. Uh,
2: you know, I'm actually thinking, I'm still worried about you and thinking about you being triggered by so many different things. <laughs> oh, man, but I'm so offended. No, no, it, it it actually raises a good point that, you know, at some point we should discuss, you know, how does the well-educated paramedic deal with being a paramedic? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, and being triggered by systems that don't allow them to make diagnoses and treat patients without, you know, hand-holding and...
0: Um, or deal with the the their fellow paramedics who are holding that process back, who maybe aren't as well educated and maybe don't have as much uh, in the way of the critical thinking abilities and, and stuff like that. And for me, I'm always like questioning myself right because I'm like, am I
1: is it me? am I I don't want to be that guy who's so uh, what's the word? You okay. know guy has blinders on and it's like, no, I am correct. Here's why I'm correct. And any sort of like, I don't want to be that guy because I understand the nature of medicine. I understand the nature of knowledge in general, right? That you don't know everything. You don't know nearly close to everything. And I don't want to be on that closer end of the (laughs) Dunning-Kruger curve where like, yeah.
2: So I recently got a life coach of sorts that is teaching me how to be a better person. It's really a life coach that my organization gave me to become a better leader. Uh, But he is a psychologist and he teaches me a lot about myself. And I'm in my 40s and nobody gave me a handbook on how to live life or think through, you know, being a physician, being in stressful situations. A lot of this was you kind of figure it out. You you model behaviors after other people that you uh, admire and, and, and teach you. Uh, and one of the things he taught me about was the concept of harmonious passion. So you can have passion, and you can be very passionate about being right, and uh, you know, you know, making EMS education great. Um, but that passion can kind of take a negative tilt, and 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 you can drive yourself crazy. And it's really understanding how to be harmonious with your passion and harmonious with other people around you. Being harmonious with the paramedic who just has never read an article since graduating paramedic school. Um, so it's really about positive thinking. Um, and that's kind of what this guy has been teaching me. Um, I'm not sure if I'm getting brainwashed or hypnotized, but it seems to be working, but I I used to be the same way. I mean, even in the hospital setting, I would get angry when, you know, I'd have like a workup done in the ER that was just odd or off. And then they come upstairs and be like, Oh my God, why weren't they thinking about X, Y, or Z? And you know, there's a way to twist that and, you know, use that, use your energy for, to affect, continue to affect positive things, much the way you're doing with this podcast. Well, I
0: think, you know, the, the power of positive thinking is a very real thing. You know, when, when you look at kind of the way that works, you know, we can't change the things that happen, but we do create our own reality. We do change how we respond to things. And, and, and in that sense, we really do create our own reality. And when you think positively, I think you really set yourself up to see opportunities and kind of the the better side of a situation that you may not if you're thinking negatively. Um, you know, you'll, you'll hear a lot of people talk about you can kind of will yourself into what you want in life. And I think that comes from positive thinking. And, and, and that's not that thinking positively actually changes the objective reality of the situation, but it just changed your mindset and it changes your ability to get yourself where you want to be. It's,
2: it's not just about yourself though, because the power of positive thinking, let's just think about the fire service. This is completely applicable to the hospital setting as well, the fire service, EMS. Um, you are a high achieving paramedic interested in Learning more, you're promoted. You're a lieutenant. um, You're a supervisor. um, You think positively, and if during the course of any shift you positively influence one or two people, and you draw them out of the the you know the third of folks that are kind of in the middle of your organization who kind of come into work, they follow the protocols, they do a decent job. If you positively influence one or two of those people that effect is going to arborize. They're going to become positive. They're going to affect two to four more people. So, you know, what what I've been taught is, you know, you have about a third of people at the bottom of the organization that are toxic. And like I can't believe we do this. I can't believe I have to do this. I can't believe, I you know, we can't do anything. We don't have that medication. And a third of people just kind of show up to work, mm-hmm. do a decent job. And then, you know, a third or less than a third at the top are, are really achievers and, and, really bent on making an organization great. And so the power of positive thinking, I think is most important for people like you at the top of an organization to reach into that middle bucket. Because when you start getting into that middle bucket, you start increasing the amount of people that are interested in making a system great. And then what happens by default is that bottom third who are just toxic realize it's time to get on the bus or, or get out of here that look at all these people kind of really bent on making this organization great doing a good job um so i, I think positive thinking and this has been transferred this whole process for me with having an actual professional coach i wish i would i wish i would gotten this 10 years ago um but just just learning about the concept of positive thinking and learning how to think positively and frame things during the course of my day in a positive way, um, to me has lowered my stress level, um, maybe got rid of any kind of depression I was having about work, uh, exacerbated by shifting between days and nights, which so many of us do. So um, I, I think that, that we would, uh, it would be a great idea to talk about this a little bit more and share this with some of our EMS colleagues. Imagine
1: how much of a positive, just from what he just said, imagine how positively that could affect your average paramedic.
2: Oh, absolutely. It's, that's huge. There's
0: actually, there's another podcast that I listen to a lot that touches on this topic. Um, and some of the little things that, you know, one, one thing I've picked up from that, and I don't know if this is something maybe your, your life coach has said, you know, when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you should do is just think of three things you're grateful for that you have three things that are positive in your life. And it can be as simple as, I'm grateful that when I get out of bed and put my feet on the floor, there's carpet there and it's not a cold floor. And it can be that simple to, you know, being something as big as, you know, I'm grateful for my kids, my career, my house, stuff like that. Um, but when you start off on a positive foot, you know, everything in your, your day is really, you know, defined through that lens when you choose to look at things positively.
2: The, the, the thing that goes hand in hand with that that I learned is that, you have to understand what your values are, what your personal values are. So it's really interesting. I'm 43. I I think I know who I am. I think I know what my values are. I think I know what I'm passionate about, but I don't know that I ever put it on paper or spoke about it explicitly with somebody. What are my core values? You know, what, what, what am I passionate about? And so I think I know some of your passions and some of your values. Um, but I think you actually have to say them out loud. and you have to write them down and then you have to take all of your energy and redistribute it from that negative, you know, God, I I don't know if it's me, you know, if I'm crazy, if I'm operating with blinders on and, and completely redirect that into the, the positive realm of, okay, this is, this is how strongly I feel about the fact that I as a paramedic need X, Y, and Z to do my job, and how am I going to make it happen? Or how am I going to make the next person you know more successful? Um, and, and the other thing I think about all the time with EMS is, think about, we all see this, how much energy is exerted by our colleagues saying, I can't believe this, or I don't have this tool. And imagine if you could just harness all of that energy... and and redirect people to, well, come to a protocol meeting, Um, you know, write to or call your state medical director, go go to your local jurisdictional medical director, set up an appointment with them, talk about it, tell them you're, you know, get a group of your colleagues together who say, you know, why can't we do drug facilitated intubation? And here's why I'm going to show you 10 recent calls that I went on where I spoke to the ER physician and they told me, God, if you had drug facilitated intubation, you should have used it in this situation. So... Um, I, I am a firm believer now in, in the power of positivity. The, the crazy thing is my wife actually, she thought I had a stroke because after I started talking to somebody, and this is a whole nother tangent we can go to is the importance of actually talking to people about these things, reading a blog, reading a, a self help book. I, I've done those things before I actually started to a, a re, started talking to a real live human being. Um, there's something very powerful about the, the human interaction and talking these things through. Um, and it doesn't actually have to be, so for people in your organization, whatever county or city you work in, it doesn't have to be a professional coach. You you can, you can go to a professional coach and and you can kind of learn the better way. And, And then once you learn those skills, you can share those with other people. But I think it has to start with somebody that knows what they're talking about and, and, and understands uh, how to teach another human the power of positive thinking that's so
1: so that's awesome so I, I it's it's funny you bring that up so I, I uh, the personal blip it on me I uh, so I was diagnosed with ADD in 2011 and I, at that point I was just like eh, now I'm not gonna do anything about it and it finally got to the point where I was like no I gotta do something and I went and saw a psychiatrist that was my, one of my brother's personal friends and you know, I needed a and Uh, yeah, we got the ADD taken care of, but now it, she's turned into like, you know, pretty much a therapist. Right. And she's a physician. And like, I I remember I had a really bad call where I felt that there was a negative outcome because of an action that I failed at. And, uh, just like talking to someone, like sitting down and talking to someone, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's insane how that helps with the process of not only, you know, the, the failure at that point, but like, or the perception of failure, but the, uh, how it how I, I, yeah I, I, you, I can't say it any better than you did like
2: like it's so important
1: to be able to talk to somebody like
2: that it, so I, I recently saw a um a social media post regarding so so there was a, a fire officer um that died in one of our local jurisdictions that i'm i'm sure we all know and there was i was scrolling through all the kind of memorials and all the posts and uh, there was one post written by um um an EMS provider who said that they had talked to this officer countless times, but it was always very um, kind of uh, dry job related conversation. And that person wished they had actually just had a casual conversation with that person after seeing how, um, how much other people valued his, his mentorship and, and his life advice. And, and um, so, you know, that speaks to kind of the importance of having people to confide in and speak to in these stressful jobs that we do on a day-to-day basis. The other thing I would say, you're really, really lucky, and it's probably because you're well-educated and have somewhat good connections and probably have a good supportive family and network of friends that you were able to find a mental health clinician to go to talk to. I gotta tell you something. I'm a doctor. I've been a doctor since 2001. I went through a series of, of events in work about a year ago where I was getting burnt out. I had signs of depression, and I knew there was something wrong with me. My wife was like, you need to go talk to somebody. People in my organization were telling me, you gotta get your act together, because I, they weren't really understanding that this was fueled by depression, burnout. I struggled with good, like platinum insurance, finding somebody to go to talk to. I could not believe how hard it was as a physician in a, in a hospital in a major city with great insurance, a psychiatrist that kind of consulted on patients in my unit in the hospital, that I said, hey, can you give me some names and an EAP program? I could not believe how challenging it was to find somebody to go speak to a mental health provider. And I say to myself, my God, no wonder the ER is full of 40, 50 psychiatry patients boarding there waiting for whatever disposition, you know, state health, you know, um, it's scary. It's just downright scary. And and particularly with the rate of depression, suicidal ideation, completed suicide in our profession, fire, EMS, you know, physician. It's just a scary thought.
1: That's such a great point. The only so I struggled to find someone, and at the time, so my brother's a pharmacist, and he was working on a psychiatric unit. And I was like, "Listen, man, like I'm trying to find somebody. It's been months. Nobody." And I had good, you know, I I had good county insurance. Oh, well, no, we're not taking new patients, or blah blah blah. And I was like, "Listen, dude, like I need somebody. Like, there's it's a problem, right? Like, I mean, I I I don't blame all of my educational failures earlier on at UMBC." to my mental health, but looking back, a ton of it was like, I just couldn't concentrate, right? Yeah. And like finally got to the point where he's like, yeah, I know somebody, like, you know, she's a friend of mine, she's great. You know, call, make an appointment. And she was not taking new patient, patients, but fit me into her schedule.
0: Yeah. And, and that's a real concern. because I also, my employer has great insurance. I mean, that's one of the big perks of where I work is the insurance. And trying to find... Uh, our, our mental health coverage is just dismal um, trying to find a therapist that's in network is hands down almost impossible it's gotten better they've changed their insurance a little bit um, but prior to actually this past year um, I mean if you needed a therapist in network it was just terrible to find um, and then compounding that fact, if you actually need a psychiatrist, a lot of people don't realize this. A lot of psychiatrists do not take health insurance. They want out of pocket payment. So if you don't have a job where you're making good money, that's a big problem. You, you, hit um, the, you
2: hit the nail on the head. So so the one person as a doctor that I could find to help me was exactly that. It was, was fee for service. Yep. And I have a good life. I eat good food. I make a de- decent you know income. God damn, that hourly rate was very expensive. And with three kids and my wife who stays at home taking care of my kids, it, it, I scratched my head and I said to myself, hmm, do, do I have this figured out yet? Do I need to still should go? Gone it, it, it should It shouldn't be like that. Yeah, I yeah mean, you no, know,
0: exactly. You know, exactly. Just yeah. for a frame of reference for people who don't know, like the one psychiatrist I'm familiar with, $300 an hour. I oh, mean, wow, that's yeah. expensive. Yeah, you know? and I mean,
1: look at that. I mean, just... I mean, the average paramedic can't make that. I mean, right. can't pay that. It's it's right? a lot. Yeah. Like, right. Average EMT firefighter. Come on. Right. You know, and yep. the shit that we see. Like,
0: come
2: on. Wait, right. Like, and, and and therapy typically is once a week when, mm-hmm. when you really need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's an exorbitant bill.
0: And a therapist or a, a counselor or a social worker, not not as expensive. But the actual psychiatrist, you know, it, it, now if you're using the psychiatrist as a sounding board as a therapist, then that would get really bad really quick. Um, but you know, if, uh, an actual therapist, not quite as bad, but still, if you're paying out of pocket, you still could be talking a hundred bucks every week or something. You So, know? so
2: I think the one saving grace is I think a lot of healthcare organizations are realizing the importance of wellness and, um, having kind of regular wellness things that their, uh, healthcare providers can plug into even during the course of a shift or before or after a shift. Um, you know, my hospital has kind of explored actually having mental health providers available in the facility for folks Mm, to go to, um, there, there was recently, um, so doctor's day recently passed and they had a health fair that, you know, spread breakfast and they had a, um, acupuncture station, a massage station, a Reiki station. And so many physicians came to it and said, man, if this were here during the day, I think this organization would be a lot better for it. Um, And so there's actually a real conversation about having some of those things available. So we actually have a center, an oncology center where some of our stressed out, uh, situationally stressed out oncology patients can go for these very necessary, you know, interventions above and beyond their chemo and and radiation. But um, I I wonder how many EMS fire department organizations um, are recognizing burnout, depression, suicide rates, and and earnestly thinking about or or putting in place meaningful wellness programs i don't know what the data is on this um, as far as being able to access those things easily during the course of a shift or before after a shift. it's
0: being recognized by the rank and file but the administrations from the things i've read um haven't really in generally speaking at least across the country other than there's a bigger push towards having like SISM availability and stuff like that, there's really not a lot there um, to support the provider with their or the clinician with their everyday mental health. So we're not we're we we're getting a little bit better, I think, at addressing the acute. You know, I just had a you know two year old run down by a car, but we're not as an organization as a system doing good with addressing the PTSD, the burnout, the depression, the anxieties, stuff like this that we see um, with people. I don't think there's a lot of support there, at least not not around here that I've seen, not that I've seen online with articles and stuff. We're moving in the right direction, but we're not there yet. You know, there are starting to be some centers. There's a, a center here in Maryland, um, the f- Firefighter uh, Center of Excellence or something like that, um, which offers support. Um, there's a place up in uh, Haverty Grace that does the same kind of thing with addiction, but we're really not there yet. Um, one of the articles I wrote for the website, when you look at the rates of, for example, post-traumatic stress disorder in EMS, it really, truly rivals that scene in combat veterans. And I'm not trying to draw parallels between what we see and what happens in combat. Obviously, very, very different things. I'm certainly not trying to make it sound like, you know, EMS is as bad as doing a tour in Iraq because it's not, you know, it's not the same thing. I'm not saying there is any kind of an equivalency but what I am saying is we are seeing really terrible things and it's affecting the people that work in this field and it's a real problem and it's a problem we're not doing a great job of dealing with right now.
1: I think we were uh, something that I've been really not surprised with but maybe impressed with is within the rank and file I feel like at least in my social circles when something does happen we know that it's a problem, right? We know that there needs to do something to be done, but I agree with you. I think we're still, our organizations are still very reactionary with the schism and stuff, which I'm, I'm not saying that stuff's bad, but we really need to take a proactive approach to what you said, wellness, right? Uh, what Dr. Whitberg said, you know, a, a like, a I don't want to say holistic, but like, you know, a, a provider wellness approach that, Maybe it develops a culture that allows for wellness before these incidents happen and then also have the reactionary uh, tools when critical incidents happen.
0: Yeah, well, I do think there is a bit of a culture shift going on. I mean, I can tell you 10 or 15 years ago if somebody said, oh, I have PTSD because of the job. You know, people kind of laughed at it and they're like, oh, you you don't belong in this field, blah, blah, blah. You know, this isn't the place for you. That's kind of changed a little bit. Um, I don't hear that kind of response as much. I hear more people being open about it, though a lot of people are still in the mental health closet. Um, More people are open about it um, and it's discussed more as a serious issue. Um, You know, both and I've heard that both on the supervisory level and the field level where people are more willing to at least acknowledge that, hey, this is a legitimate issue. Um, You know, even if not everybody's totally open and talking about it, it's at least mental health is not something that's being ridiculed as much as it was. And I think you're right, wellness is where it starts. And we really need to focus on the things that keep ourselves mentally well. And and that's a lot of things, you know, as simple as eating right and working out, you know, those those are really good, solid ways to start having a confidant, having someone you can talk to, whether it's an actual therapist, which, Probably every really busy paramedic probably needs a good therapist, right? Um, definitely, you know, if you don't have that, you know, a partner, a spouse, somebody who you can talk to, a friend, where you can kind of unload. This is what someone, who, understand today. Understands someone, so, yeah, someone right? who understands. Someone who understands. Like, and that's something
1: I found with like a therapist, like the one the first one like, had no clue mm-hmm. right i mean i mean it's someone that needs to have relevant information as to what we do mm-hmm. what what we see and we're not just people that throw people in ambulances and take them to the hospital right, right. like truly understand the uh, maybe i don't know if this is a term but like provider guilt right or like you know like it uh understanding the thought process that we go to go right. through and why we feel the things that we feel with success or failure
0: and i think that That is good. Um, That's definitely helpful. But I do also think that you can have success with a therapist who maybe does not have that EMS or public safety or healthcare uh, kind of background. If they understand kind of the nature of trauma and the nature of, you know, like you said, guilt, you know, survivor's guilt, stuff like that, I think that those are still applicable skills that they can bring to the table and, and kind of help debrief somebody after a bad incident.
2: The, la- the last thing I would say, and another kind of uh, kind of tangential conversation that we should have at some point is there's a complete overlap between what we're talking about right now with regard to uh, mindfulness, resiliency. So highly reliable healthcare organizations, which every EMS organization should strive to be, kind of some of the tenets of high reliability are um, proactivity. Um, you know, detecting where things are going to go bad before they go bad. And with that, I would consider, you know, proactive stance on providing mental health and wellness for, you know, paramedics, firefighters, Mm -hmm. Um, mindfulness, resiliency. um, And then part and parcel in that is also shifting from a blame culture to a just culture. And that's something we can probably spend another hour easily talking about. And I've seen a lot of even local fire departments and EMS agencies um, starting to Um, learn about what just culture is Mm -hmm. and how to get away from blaming people and really looking at the system and how do we make the system better and make everybody in the system more successful. This is all so interrelated. Good stuff
1: part of my previous life I was in pharmacy and they sent me down to Bogota Columbia to uh, uh, lecture on like pharmacy technician stuff because they were trying to start a program there. And the big thing that Hopkins wanted me to push was the just culture stuff. They're like, you know, understanding the system, uh, the nature of like latent system issues that are causing failures versus active negligence and stuff like that. And being able to, yeah, versus system being problems. able to delineate. Right. And also how do we, uh, rehabilitate right how do we like not you know don't blame the person unless they're negligent how to fix the system to have the most you know the most successful uh, outcome and and
2: tying that into mental health though we will typically because of the culture of the fire service of which the EMS service is often part of uh, we will often blame an individual's weakness or inability to deal with it um, as, as as their personal failure whereas as a system We have not given our providers the tools to be successful in the stressful environment.
0: And that makes it so difficult for somebody with one of these problems to recover from it, you know, when they have some sort of an issue like PTSD and they're constantly being fed from around them. Well, it's your fault because you're not strong enough. You're not good enough to do this job. That's a difficult thing to come back
1: from. And that also feeds into one of the other articles you wrote about substance abuse Yes. EMS, yep. right? Yep. Like coping mechanisms, yep. right? Well, let's finish this one up for now. Okay. Uh, thank you guys for listening in. This is, uh, I guess we can call it an editorial post, I guess, or something else. Oh, well, a lot of things were discussed. Thank you for listening in. Uh, please be sure to give us a like on uh, whichever podcast program you use to listen to us. Uh, please uh, take a look at our website, alertmedical.com. Uh, give us a like on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Uh, anything else?
0: No, I think that's it. Cool.
2: No, I love the soft voice. Yeah, I know. It's really nice. It's
1: sweet.
0: It's very soothing.
1: I know. Maybe I should go into like the video. Uh, not the, what what's it? The like, the, <laughs> com- kind of the, 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 the calm the apps. Voice. Yeah, I know, the com <laughs> apps that uh, help people go to bed. What are the
2: maybe uh, maybe we should do some uh, ASMR podcast yep. where we just trigger people with soft
1: oh yeah oh god and, and rubbing the microphone that might, dude i don't know man i don't want any ems clinicians listening to this in an ambulance and oh, like, okay <laughs> thanks you guys uh that's all for
0: now all right thanks everybody you've been listening to the alert medic one podcast the premier emergency medical services podcast with your hosts mustafa sadiq and ken sanner